Fifteen years ago, I was a young adventurer in search of new experiences and a chance to escape the monotony of my daily life. I landed a seasonal job with the U.S. Forest Service in western Colorado for the summer. It was a dream come true, allowing me to explore the wild and experience the beauty of nature up close. I was stationed in an old ranger cabin deep in the heart of the forest. It was quaint, rustic, and charming in its own way, but it was also quite isolated. I was the sole occupant of the cabin responsible for patrolling the area, maintaining trails, and keeping an eye out for any potential issues in the forest. One night after a long day of work, I settled into my cozy bed, the moonlight casting eerie shadows through the cracks in the wooden walls. I drifted off to sleep, my dreams filled with images of the forest and the creatures that called it home. In the midst of my slumber, I suddenly found myself in the grips of a vivid dream. It felt so real that I could almost touch it. In the dream, I was lying in bed, the darkness of the cabin enveloping me when I heard the unmistakable sound of footsteps outside. The sound was faint at first, but grew louder and more persistent, as if someone or something was pacing around the cabin, searching for a way in. My heart raced as I lay there, paralyzed by fear, unable to move or cry out for help. The footsteps grew nearer, and I could hear the sound of gravel crunching underfoot as the unknown intruder approached the front door. To my horror, the door creaked open, and a chilling draft swept through the cabin. I woke with a start, my heart pounding in my chest and the echo of the dream still ringing in my ears. With trepidation, I glanced around the dimly lit cabin, my eyes slowly adjusting to the darkness. To my utter disbelief, the front door was wide open, just as it had been in my dream. A shiver ran down my spine, and the hairs on the back of my neck stood on end. Unable to shake the feeling of unease, I searched the cabin for any sign of an intruder, but found nothing amiss. I closed and locked the door, my mind racing with thoughts of what could have happened. Was it simply a coincidence, or had my dream been a premonition of something sinister? For the rest of the summer, I couldn't shake the fear that had taken hold of me that night. I made sure to secure the cabin every evening and slept with a large knife close by, just in case. The days passed without incident, but the memory of that terrifying night remained etched in my mind. Now, fifteen years later, I still find myself thinking about that summer in the old ranger station. The beauty of the forest, the excitement of exploration, and the lingering sense of unease that haunted my dreams. I can't say for certain what happened that night or if it was merely the product of an overactive imagination, but one thing is clear. The forest holds secrets, and sometimes those secrets, and sometimes those secrets can seep into our dreams, leaving us with an unsettling reminder of the unknown that lies just beyond our reach. My father was a park ranger, and he always loved the woods as nature provided him and his family with countless memories. And my grandfather was also an explorer, so he always used to wander many places with his curious mind. Eventually, my father acquired the trade and became a ranger. It was one of those holidays when tourists come in search of adventure but end up getting in trouble. People come to the national parks for fun, experience some for field research. However, 
There was this team whom my father had assisted. They had come in search of a secret toy unknown. Now I know I may sound like a total dumbstruck human. But they were a team of five researchers who were sane and educated. Maybe more than the rest. One night, my father's acquaintance got a signal on walkie, talkie. It was a signal from one of his fellow researchers. After grabbing his rifle, he went ahead and investigated. When his jeep would not allow him to go any further, they had to walk the rest of the path. The tracker with the group stopped working after one time. So now, they had to search in two different directions. Therefore, they decided to tie ribbons that way. They were going so nobody could get lost. Yellow was his color, and blue was one of his partners. As my father went ahead, he tied ribbons as a mark of the way. He kept venturing deeper into the woods, but could not find the group, therefore he tried to contact his partner through walkie-talkie, but never did get an answer back. Now, he is still walking and tying ribbons. When one time he encountered a yellow ribbon tied to a tree, maybe he took a different route before, then again he did go into a different direction looking out for them. After 15 to 20 minutes, he encountered the ribbon yet again. This kept happening, so this time he stopped to take a rest. While he was sitting under the tree, he looked up casually, and the ribbon caught his eye. It looked different for some reason, so he got up to look at it, and to his surprise. This was not the ribbon he tied earlier. These ribbons looked old and worn out. Besides, the knot on the ribbon was double-knotted, and he tied them in only one knot. This area is restricted where only important personnel were allowed. So who would come all the way out here and tie these yellow ribbons halfway to a tree? He knew something was amiss. My father came up with the idea of following these unknown marks and finding his way to the correct ones. When he was walking his way back, he heard some signing, and there was light coming from that direction. When he was walking in the direction of the light, he discovered a group of researchers who were wearing weird clothing and dancing in circles with fire in the middle. There were only four of them. One person's missing. He had hid behind a big tree and tried to figure out what they were trying to do. Two of them went into the woods, brought a big wooden branch and a man tied to it. His two hands and legs bound together. He was definitely dead. And they tried to cook him alive. My father was scared to see this, so he reached out to contact his partner. But there was no response. After having that choice, he left. But when he got up, he heard the sound that something was still around. And now his life was in danger. He too ran away, and these cannibalistic murderers were still behind him. He climbed up a tree to try and divert their attention. And they were there waiting for him, just below the tree. When he carefully looked at their feet, he could see that these things, they weren't exactly people, but like people. They were wicked-looking. Well, they looked human. They were different in appearance. He knew immediately something was very wrong. These things scoured around the forest looking for him. They didn't realize that he had climbed himself up in a tree and was waiting for these things to leave. They were these hideous-looking creatures that were like men, but emaciated, slender, and white, having huge fangs and large, hollowed-out eyes. And once they had finally disappeared, 
He slowly made his way down the tree, looking for every direction, making sure these things were not coming back. That's when my father began to fall unconscious. He was poisoned. Something had seeped into his skin, and he fell right there, collapsing on the forest floor. Next thing, he's waking up in the hospital when he described the incident to senior officials. And they denied his statement any clearance he had should have been revoked. It was very shortly after this that he was no longer a park ranger. He was stripped of virtually everything he had at that career. It was also after this that my father had received multiple death threats. There were some things he's seen that day and information he knows that is very sensitive and that is not allowed to escape into the public. Sometimes, some of the scariest things don't necessarily have to be a torn-up body or tons of blood. They just have to be unexplained. So I work for the forestry department, and I often travel around conducting various bits of research. I've gotten to travel far and wide, often ending up in the most remote and often beautiful places that would be extremely unlikely to see your average Joe ever go to, unless, like me, it was something to do with their job. Therefore, when you find something in one of these spots that has very obviously been left by a person, there is absolutely no rhyme or reason for it. You can't help but jump to nefarious conclusions. So, when you're out in the middle of absolutely nowhere, up in the ass end of Canada with nothing around for miles, and you find a bed, it's kind of weird if not downright unnerving. And I want to be clear, I don't mean like some leaves and twigs, something somebody had created as a bed for themselves. I mean an actual single wooden bed, complete with rotten, moldy mattresses, multiple mattresses, multiple mattresses. Can you think of a singular reason why that would be there? There are no houses or any sort of building structures that used to be or are still there for miles and miles. In fact, the nearest road, I believe, is about 46 miles away, or in Canadian, 46 kilometers. There were no recent tracks except mine, although from the state of it, it did seem like it had been there for a very long time. It seemed like a very unusual place just to dump a bed you didn't want anymore. And also why? Who would haul a bed all the way out here? I ended up alerting the cops, wondering if maybe it had been used for a crime and dumped out here since it was unlikely anybody would ever find it. Or maybe this was some kind of gang kill location. It seemed rather implausible, and thankfully, you couldn't see any obvious stains on the bed or around it, but who knew? I've never heard back about it, so I guess it wasn't the missing puzzle piece in some nationwide serial killer hunt, but I still can't think of a single good reason why it would have been there. I was walking down a path to the entrance to the woods. As I was about the enter, I could see a flashlight walking down a path in the woods, coming towards me, appearing to be scouting the area for something. I decided to wait near the entrance until they passed, which is still a few hundred yards from civilization, or any light at all. As they got closer, I could make out a male voice talking to someone over my very loud music. I assumed he was on the phone. Nothing too odd. However, as I expected him to walk past me, he did not. He stood around four feet to the side of me, it was really dark, so he was just a silhouette. But I could see he had a massive F off German Shepherd on a leash. 
He's still noticeably talking, but it didn't seem like he was trying to get my attention. At this point, I turn away and start walking towards the woods, when I can clearly hear him shouting something. That is when I pull one earphone out of my ear and hear something to the effect of it's the police. Take your earphones out and stop walking away. Realizing that he was in fact shouting at me the entire time, I turn around and say I'm sorry I didn't know, and all that jazz. He asks for my name, what I'm doing there, and how long I had been there, and how long I had been there. I tell him. Then he says, well, I'm looking for someone and clearly you're not them. Have you seen a girl around here? To which I reply that no, I hadn't. And then he walks off back into the woods. That is the end of that story. I walked away and went home. Not the creepiest, I know. But I am left with questions. Why was he looking for a girl in the dark, alone at that time? And also... Appearing to ignore him and walking away could have ended very badly for me. I'm thankful he didn't lose his cool. That is if he was even a cop. He did say he was, but I never saw his uniform as it was so dark. I have not yet seen anything on the news. I just hope the girl is okay, whatever happened. August 13th started off like any other day. My name is Kalu a proud member of the Sioux Nation. Together with my friend and Klamath chief George Tucker, we set off on an elk poaching trip a little over a mile southwest of Pelican Butte, Oregon. We were deep within the territory marked, about five miles west of the upper end of Klamath Lake. The area was rich with wildlife, a quiet, secluded spot nestled on top of a ridge in heavy forest, our favorite hunting ground. As we stalked our prey through the thick underbrush, something unusual caught my eye. In the distance, I saw what initially appeared to be a large, dark figure. As I squinted, trying to make sense of what I was seeing, the figure started to take shape. My heart pounded in my chest as I realized what it was. A creature unlike anything I had ever seen. Demon, I whispered to George, pointing towards the creature. It was the best word I could find to describe it, but it wasn't quite right. It was more like a woman gorilla, if such a thing existed. I knew it was female, as I could clearly see her bare breasts. She appeared to be lactating, suggesting she had a child somewhere, though it was not in sight. The creature was gigantic, easily towering over us at an estimated height of seven half feet. Her skin was a light brown in stark contrast to the dark brown fur that covered the rest of her body. We were about 50 yards away, but I could clearly see the outline of prominent canine teeth in her wide mouth. Suddenly, she let out a loud, chilling scream that echoed through the forest, freezing us in our tracks. George and I instinctively lifted our loaded rifles, sighting the creature through our scopes. It was a reflex born out of countless hours spent hunting. But even as we stared at the creature through our scopes, we knew we had no intention of pulling the triggers. This was no elk. This was something else. Something special. Shooting it felt wrong. Fear and awe battled within me as I stared at the creature. George and I exchanged a glance, and without a word, we knew what we had to do. 
With our hearts still pounding, we lowered our guns, turned, and made our rapid departure from the area. This was her forest. We were just visitors. We left with more questions and answers that day, but one thing was clear. We had just witnessed something extraordinary, something that would stay with us for the rest of our lives. A Navy SEAL stationed on a small island near Iraq. I've experienced my fair share of intense and harrowing situations, but nothing could have prepared me for the disturbing and inhumane encounter I had during one particular deployment. Rumors had been swirling among the soldiers, whispered words that hinted at something deeply unsettling happening beneath the surface. It was said that there were human hostages being held captive in underground cages, subjected to unspeakable horrors. Initially, I brushed it off as mere gossip, a product of the stress and isolation that surrounded us. But the curiosity gnawed at me, urging me to investigate further. One morning, during our routine roll call, we were led to a hidden cave entrance. As we descended into the depths, a chilling sense of dread settled in the pit of my stomach. And then, the truth was revealed before our eyes. The underground chambers held prisoners, but they were no longer human. Their bodies contorted, their minds twisted into something inhuman, something grotesque. They exhibited animalistic behaviors, their eyes devoid of humanity, replaced by primal instinct. The commanding officer, breaking his long-held silence, finally shared the truth with us. These captives were not ordinary people, and the knowledge of their existence had been intentionally concealed from us. He warned that any attempts to free them had resulted in gruesome deaths, with the mutilated bodies displayed as a grim reminder of the consequences. No sooner had he finished speaking than chaos erupted. The prisoners broke free from their cages, their newfound freedom fueling a rampage of violence and terror. The unit was ordered to evacuate immediately, to retreat back to the safety of our ships. But the journey back would become an ordeal of unimaginable horror. Each person in our unit had their own eerie encounters as we fought our way back. Some heard chilling whispers in the darkness, tormenting their minds with ancient secrets. Others caught glimpses of shadowy figures stalking us, always lurking just beyond the reach of our weapons. In the desert hills, I personally witnessed a towering creature, its head resembling that of a deer, adorned with sharp antlers and long, menacing claws. Its eyes bore into my soul as it observed our every move, a silent threat that sent shivers down my spine. In the end, it was a battle for survival. We lost many brave men along the way, their sacrifices etched into our hearts and minds. As the chaos unfolded, I found myself face to face with the creature that had haunted our nightmares. In a desperate fight for my life, I managed to take it down, but not without scars of my own. I escaped the island, fleeing in a boat, the weight of what I had witnessed weighing heavily on my conscience. The secrecy surrounding the captives and the horrors they had become haunted me, and I knew I couldn't keep this experience buried within me. I felt compelled to share my story, to shed light on the inhumanity that lurked beneath the surface of the battlefield. So here I am, a Navy SEAL named Joe, breaking the silence and hoping that my words serve as a warning. There are horrors that exist beyond our comprehension. 
secrets that are kept hidden for reasons we may never fully understand. But we must never forget that even in the darkest corners of our world, there are those who fight for justice and for the preservation of our humanity. Back last year, almost exactly, in walking in there's a trail that stems into a first from the main road, and you walk through a very tight path that is partly broken up due to thick tree roots. I'm walking back from a six-mile jog and I'm halfway in the trail. To my right, several meters below me, and about 100 to 100 to 180 feet away, there are train tracks from that area. I hear what sounds like a parrot screeching, crying in my direction. I turn around trying to see where it came from and I started walking faster. It screeched louder and I heard a single rustle, then the sound coming closer. I think I broke the world record for the 100-meter dash because I booked my tits out of there and I never heard it since. Stupid of me. But I went back days later multiple times and never heard it again. Except faintly once, I think. Does anyone have any idea what the F that thing was? It sounded like it was crying. But half in pain and half in get over here bitch kinds tones. All I can say is that it did not sound human at all. It only sounded like it was crying, screeching like a demon baby. Hey everyone. Let me tell you about a creepy thing that happened to me early this week. At the time, I didn't think anything of it, but now that I've put some thought into it, I feel a bit creeped out by it. A bit of backstory. I'm a guy in my early 20s who enjoys the occasional joint, though my parents, whom I live with, do not approve. As a result, I keep my stash in the woods down the road from my house. The actual stash site is very well hidden. It was in a very thick bush under a rock, practically buried there is absolutely no way that anyone could just happen to find the stash. And I know this because I've been using this same spot for almost a year. Plus, like I said before, it was practically underground, under a bush, in the middle of some woodland that is rarely visited. Anyhow, that night, I remember feeling quite creeped out as I walked through the woods, as if someone was following me. I felt like I could hear movement behind me, feel eyes on me, but I just sort of put it down to the fact that I was walking through the dark, spooky woods on my own, high as F, in the middle of the night. When I got to the stash site, there was a cat nearby. She looked a little alarmed by my presence, but didn't run away until a few moments later when she noped the F out of there for seemingly no reason. This spooked me out a bit and sort of reinforced that feeling of being followed I had a minute or two before but I reassured myself by putting it down to the weed making me paranoid. I go back the following night, and the stash is gone. Putting it all together in my head, the only explanation that makes sense is that someone, or something, but probably the former low, was indeed in those woods. Very weird shit. The world had fallen into chaos consumed by the very darkness it had always feared. The remnants of humanity huddled in the shadows, surviving in pockets of resistance against the monstrous creatures that now roamed the earth. I was a hunter, a lone wanderer in this desolate landscape, 
armed with my skills, my instincts, and a burning need for vengeance. They called her the Silent Huntress, a legendary beast said to be the harbinger of the apocalypse. It was said that her gaze could freeze a man's heart, and her very presence could turn the bravest of warriors into quivering wrecks. Her monstrous form was a blend of nightmare and reality, a fusion of feral grace and raw power. Her hunting grounds lay deep within the heart of the darkness, where the sky never saw the light of day. I had heard whispers of survivors who had glimpsed the silent huntress, their eyes haunted by the encounter. Determined to put an end to the reign of terror, I embarked on a treacherous journey into the abyss. The world around me was a twisted hellscape, a labyrinth of crumbling cities and twisted landscapes. The air was thick with the stench of decay, a reminder of the world that had been lost. As I ventured deeper into the heart of darkness, I encountered other survivors, desperate souls who clung to their humanity despite the horrors that surrounded them. We formed temporary alliances united by a common enemy and a shared hope for a better world. Each encounter left me with a heavy heart, a reminder that the line between humanity and monstrosity was growing thin. The nights were the worst, a symphony of howls and screeches that echoed through the darkness. I sought refuge in the ruins, my senses heightened as I listened for any sign of danger. Sleep was a luxury I could scarcely afford, for the silent huntress could strike at any moment. One evening, as the sun dipped below the horizon, casting long shadows across the desolation, I felt it, a shiver down my spine that heralded her presence. I moved like a shadow, my steps soundless as I followed the trail of destruction she left in her way. The closer I came, the heavier the air became, as if the darkness itself was suffocating me. And then I saw her. The silent huntress stood before me, her silver-flecked fur catching the feeble light like a sector. Her eyes, a brilliant shade of blue that seemed to pierce through the darkness, fixed on me. I felt her gaze seeping into my very soul, a cold touch that threatened to strip away my humanity. In that moment I realized the truth. The silent huntress was not just a monster. She was a reflection of the world that had given birth to her. The darkness, the decay, the desperation. They were all a part of me as much as they were a part of her. The line between us was not as clear as I had once believed. As I raised my weapon, the hunter within me warring with the compassion that still lingered, I hesitated. The world had fallen apart, and in that broken reality... The silent huntress was merely a product of the chaos. She was a victim as much as she was a predator. The choice I made in that moment would define me. A hunter who sought vengeance or a man who dared to see beyond the surface. I lowered my weapon. A silent acknowledgement that the real battle was not against the creatures that roamed the world, but against the darkness that had taken root within us all. The silent huntress regarded me for a moment her eyes unreadable. And then, with a graceful turn, she vanished into the shadows, leaving me alone in the heart of darkness. My journey was not over, but now it had a new purpose. To rebuild not just the world around me, but the fragments of my own humanity that had been shattered by the apocalypse. As the first rays of dawn broke through the horizon, 
I stood amid the ruins, a hunter no longer consumed by vengeance, but driven by the hope that the line between humanity and monstrosity could be redrawn. And as I took my first step forward, I knew that the path ahead was uncertain, but it was a path I was determined to walk. I'll never forget the day when my team and I, all part of an elite Navy SEAL unit, were given the mission that would define our lives. We had been called in to dismantle a plot that could wipe Colorado off the map. A rogue scientist, once a brilliant mind in genetic engineering, had gone off the deep end. He had created monstrous creatures and was planning to detonate a nuclear device in Colorado, hoping to kickstart a war between his creations and innocent civilians. The scientist was tucked away in an impenetrable fortress within a top-secret government facility. The mission was clear. Infiltrate the fortress. Neutralize the nuclear threat. Eliminate the creatures and escape before our own military moved in to level the place. It was a no-return mission, but we were SEALs. Impossible was our specialty. Our approach was silent under the cover of darkness. With stealth and precision, we infiltrated the fortress. It was eerily quiet, a lull before the storm. As we ventured deeper into the facility, we came face to face with the first of the scientists' creations. It was a grotesque hybrid, part man, part beast, all killer. Fight was brutal. Our bullets ripped through them, but they were tough and relentless. We fought our way through using every bit of our training and instinct to survive. It was a nightmare come to life, but we had a mission to complete. Finally, we reached the control room where the scientist had holed up. He was a madman, his eyes filled with the insanity of his plot. He set off an alarm before we could apprehend him, sealing the fortress with us inside. The clock was ticking, both on the nuclear device and the military strike. We split up. Two of my men went to handle the nuclear device, while the rest of us dealt with the incoming wave of creatures. Scientists had saved his worst for last. These were bigger, stronger, faster. We were outnumbered and outmatched, but we held the line, refusing to let them through. Meanwhile, in the control room, our tech expert was frantically working on disarming the nuclear device. The countdown was relentlessly ticking away, adding to the tension that had already reached a fever pitch. With minutes to spare, he managed to disarm the device, a cheer ringing out over our comms. But our mission wasn't over yet. We still had to get out before our own military turned the place into a crater. We fought our way back, leaving a trail of dead creatures in our wake. Fortress was beginning to shake, the first bombs from our military strike hitting their mark. We sprinted towards the exit, the world around us crumbling. With seconds to spare, we dove out of the fortress, just as it imploded in a thunderous explosion. We lay there, battered and bruised, but alive. We had completed the mission, saved countless lives, and lived to tell the tale. Looking back, that mission changed us. We were no longer just soldiers. We were survivors, men who had looked into the heart of madness and come out the other side. We were seals and we had done the impossible. I'm Jake, a seasoned park ranger near Paisley. 
You'd think my job was all about dealing with lost hikers and preserving the natural beauty of the park. But every now and then, something extraordinary happens. It was a typical Tuesday afternoon when I got a frantic call from a group of teen boys who had been hiking in the park. They claimed to have seen three Bigfoot creatures traipsing across a meadow, a sight they said was both fascinating and terrifying. As a ranger, I've heard tales of Bigfoot sightings, but they were usually from over-enthusiastic tourists or pranksters. These kids seemed genuinely scared, though. I swear, Jake, they were huge. Taller than any man, and covered in fur. The oldest of the group, Tommy, stammered out his account. His friends nodded along, their eyes wide with a mix of fear and excitement. We didn't have a camera, or we would have taken a picture. The boys led me to the meadow they claimed to have seen the creatures. It was a quiet, peaceful stretch of land blanketed in wildflowers, bordered by thick woods. It was hard to imagine anything out of the ordinary happening here. However, as we ventured further into the meadow, I noticed something strange. There were large footprints imprinted in the soft soil, unlike any animal tracks I had seen before. They were massive, with a unique pattern that couldn't be mistaken for a bear or any other creature native to these parts. The boys watched as I crouched down, tracing the outline of one of the footprints with a sense of awe and apprehension. Whether it was the imagination of the boys or the footprints that were undeniably strange, I couldn't dismiss their story outright. I assured the boys that we'd look into it, reminding them of the park's policy to respect all wildlife. The boys left, leaving me alone in the quiet meadow. Days turned into weeks, and the story of the Bigfoot sighting spread through the town. We never found more evidence, and I never saw anything unusual in my patrols. But the memory of that day... The boy's wide-eyed fear and the strange footprints in the meadow have stuck with me. Maybe there are things in these woods that we don't fully understand. As a park ranger, it's my duty to protect this land and all the creatures that call it home, seen and unseen. And who knows, maybe one day I'll come face to face with the elusive Bigfoot myself. Last week, me and my significant other went on a hike at nighttime. It had to be around 12 a.m. We went on this wooded path. And though it was eerie, we figured we would be fine as we had each other. We barely saw anyone until we start going up this path and see an individual further ahead of us with a flashlight on. They turned it on then, off a couple of times. We continued walking up the hill, the person in front of us. Eventually, at some point, they went off path, and we no longer saw them. We continued up to the spot we were headed, and stopped there, sat, and talked, and made out for about an hour. Then, as we are making our way back to the secluded area's exit, we hear rustling in the bushes near us. We both looked over, expecting to see an animal. Until we realized the rustling was too loud and the shape in the bushes was too big, it was a person. They rose their head up a bit and we caught a glimpse of the flashlight as they started to emerge out of the bush. I quickly realized whatever was happening was very off. Out of fear, I screamed and took off running. My significant other followed a bit behind. I had first heard more than just her footsteps than just hers, meaning he attempted to follow or chase us potentially for a few seconds. We got away. I'm not sure when he got in the bush... If he was there before us, but that means he was sitting there for over an hour in silence by himself. 
I don't know what exactly that was or what he was doing. But I would hate to have found out what happened if we didn't run.